Are you ready to take action to attain the lifestyle of your dreams? It's a great way to make a lot of money fast, fast, fast. All right, what's going on, guys? We are back. Today, I have Chris Noggle with us. He is an expert real estate investor, an expert at infinite banking, and probably an expert at a lot of things. You know, we're going to, you know, probably, you know, you got cool hair. So, you know, you got, you're an expert at hair growth because. That's just mine's COVID. just falling out and yours looks great. So what's up with that? That uh, was a COVID experiment. You know, back as a pro snowboarder, I had long hair and then always had short hair in Wall Street. And then all of a sudden it hit. I'm like, shit, I'm just going to let you it. You get to do whatever you want now. Anything I want. That's because you're rich. <laughs> it's nice. When you're money, rich, you get to do money whatever. Money allows you to do Is a lot true? of cool Is that true? When you're rich, you get to do whatever the hell you want? If you allow it, if you have yeah. money working for you, there's two different types of riches. There's rich and there's wealthy. And there's a big difference between the two. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, I know a lot of rich people that can't do what they want to do. I do too. Yeah. Lots. Well, let's talk about wealth. Okay. Because that's the ultimate goal. I think a lot of people get into real estate uh, for the, wealth, the lifestyle, right? Um, but a lot of people start with wholesaling, maybe rehabbing. If you stop that, even if you're the, like, I'm really good at systems and processes. If I don't have my partners handling it or something like that, like I might get a little bit more free, but it, I couldn't just like check out for years and come back and have more money, right? Uh, and uh, and it's not until you really start collecting assets and really understanding the difference between making a lot of money and creating real wealth. So uh, you said you were a snowboarder. Yeah, I used to be a pro snowboarder for a long time. Did you did you did you just ride its you rode its course and then you were done? Or? I mean, as a pro athlete, your body gets hammered. You know, I've yeah. been, I've broken so many things, had lots of surgeries, but I did it from when I was nine, I was eighteen, turning nineteen, when I first got my contract, and I did it till I was thirty four years old. I had a bad injury out in Mammoth overshot a big table and that was it, man. Mm. I tried coming back. I you always try to come back, but this time was different because this time I just, I, I lost something here and in my heart. I, I just couldn't, I you couldn't knew, climb you knew, back. You knew you were done. I did, but I didn't want to, you know. And that uh, that's gotta be part. a weird transition. I have a lot of friends that played like pro baseball. They have a real tough time coming off of the big leagues and into like back to reality you know, you're used to that high. It, it, I, I, I talk about it a lot on my different podcasts, but it was one of the hardest things in my life because you're so used to that high of doing it and being on the podium and, and just being in that element. Then all of a sudden you can't, and then it clicks and you start losing sponsors and you realize you can't do it anymore. And I, I went into depression. I didn't snowboard for an entire season. I just couldn't get on my board. I just had no yeah. purpose anymore. And then I, I, got an, I got offered to coach a team. And I remember initially I got the call and I'm like, I'm not a coach, I'm a rider. You know, that's just that, yeah. that, I don't know if it's arrogance or just that mindset. Then all of a sudden I thought about it. I'm like, wait a second, this might be my last opportunity to get paid to snowboard again. I'll do it. And it was a national team. So it was cool. And I found a different love in coaching that I never had as an athlete. Because now when I had athletes on the podium, I got to watch that and it was a different excitement, yeah. but it was actually greater than it was as, and, and as the rider. And you now have perspective. Yes. You're able to see the little things when they're in the weeds doing it versus you watching the and, and understanding the the mechanics of it is is probably giving you that great perspective because you were a pro. It was you know? it was a different element, but the I, best, I just I did it for six years. The best mentors, the best coaches and teachers are pros. I guess you're probably point, right. The best ones, I think, you know. Um okay, so uh you've been doing how how'd you get into real estate just to you know kind of catch up to this sure. moment where it's like we're sitting here now at Clever Investor studios talking about <laughs> banking because what we're about to get into is really like what the wealthy do and the people that get closest to the creation of the money the people that know how to do this financial engineering with the money where you're creating money from mo like nothing and you're doing it in a really cool tax-free type way a lot of times it's just brilliant yeah, and what we're going to talk about is something that the richest families in the world have done. The Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the J.P. Morgans, the, the Walt Disney's. That's how Walt Disney was started. Ray Kroc, I mean, Warren Buffett, and right up to the sitting president. They all use this system, yet nobody seems to know about it because there's just no money in it for people to teach people how to do it. All really right. So how, how did we get there from yep. pro snowboarder, now coaching, to... Wall Street, and then eventually- It's, it's interesting. So at 16, I, I started my first company. It was a clothing line. And then from there, I, that turned into a skateboard snowboard shop. And then that fueled the snowboarding career. But in the snowboarding career, when the first recession that I ever went through happened, the dot-com crash, I needed a job. I had to go back into the workforce. And I put my resume out. Nobody was biting except for Wall Street firms. So I got like a 
thing. And I just, I landed in Wall Street of all places for a pro snowboarder to be. But in Wall Street, what I found is all my wealthiest clients, the ones I wanted all their money and I never got hardly any of it, they were in real estate. Every single mm. one of them. And I, I started just drawing a conclusion. I'm like, why are all my richest, wealthiest clients in real estate? And they don't want half the things I do. They only want the stuff that benefits them tax-wise. I got to try this real estate thing. So in 06, I went out and I bought my first flip. And 07, I did another one. 08, I bought a strip mall. And then the Great Recession hit. And I almost went bankrupt. I was I borrowed money, hard money, and literally Ooh. got to one payment. And I had to go to my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and say, sweetie, yeah. I need you to pay the mortgage, the utilities, and I got to rent some bedrooms out in the house to make it through. But after that, 09, you know, Warren Buffett was always one of my heroes. And I read all of his books. And he always said, buy low, sell high, and don't lose money. So 09, I saw the market. I was, you know, I was a Wall Street guy. And I'm like, listen, real estate's way too cheap not to do it. So I started buying real estate. From 09 to 14, I got up to 36 units and I'd flipped a few houses. But then in 14, I made some bad mistakes and borrowed money in my personal name instead of the corporate name. And the bank put the freeze and then they froze my line of credit, which then made it so I got behind on my mortgages. Then they called one of my mortgages. It was game <sighs> over. So this is 2014, the darkest period of time in my life. I had to sell all 36 units and I switched gears. I'm still in Wall Street, still doing the snowboarding thing. And I, I said, you know what? I went to an event and they were talking about flipping. And I'm like, this is way better than what I've been doing. So we started flipping. And that was 271 houses ago. And wow, yeah, that congrats. was- that's, yeah. that's a lot. That's we a still lot. do them a little bit. I try not to. I literally yeah. try to avoid it now because I'm too busy with what I'm doing, but they just fall in your lap and I got to keep the people, you know, the crews yeah, busy. Yeah. Um, All right. So now the, the infinite banking concept. So let's define for anybody listening to us right now, what is infinite banking? Yeah, so it's simple. It's it's a process, okay? So the infinite banking concept is not a product. It's a process of taking back the banking functions in your life. If you look at how a bank operates, all infinite banking is, it's mimicking everything that a bank does, but doing it with your own banking system. So I always tell people, I said, you know, why don't you own a bank? And they always laugh at me and, you know, oh, come on, really? I'm not yeah. rolling like that. No, no, no. Owning a bank is one thing. You can have a brick and mortar or performing the daily functions of how a bank operates is a whole different thing. And it's something everybody can do. That's all infinite banking is. It's literally a process of mimicking what a bank does every day. But then it's adding a vehicle, a machine that we're going to run our money through. So literally everything I do involves one change for somebody. Everybody puts their money in a bank to start. That's usually where money goes first. Yep. And when you do that, you're giving up control of your money to the bank. I mean, look at back in COVID when it hit. If you wanted to take all your money out of the bank, the bank would say, no, you could only have four or five grand. You can't take it all. So who's in control? Is it you or the bank? It's the bank. So if you change one thing and you change where your money goes first, that's the best step. So that's what we teach is we change where the money goes. We put it into a machine that's been around for hundreds of years. Same one. But, but, but Chris, but Chris, the bank has a building. The bank has an ATM machine. The bank has like people and systems and stuff. What, I get paid and I want to put it in my own bank. You get what I'm saying? Like what? I do. So what, what is my own this? bank? Yeah. So this process, this concept, the infinite banking concept, no, but what the machine is, this is insurance company. It's not a bank. The Rockefellers and the Rothschilds back in their day, and you could maybe sprinkle in JP Morgan, they were bankers, but they didn't trust the banking system. So they had to find a better way to store their capital in a safer place. So they looked around, they found insurance companies. What are the strongest financial institutions then? And today, it's not banks. Banks don't even have their own money. They have our money. Insurance companies have all the money. So what they did is they found giant mutually owned insurance companies. And they then had to find a way is how do we get our capital into an insurance company? Because you can't just walk into a giant insurance company and say, hey, I got all this money. Can I deposit it? They'll say, there's the door. Get back out. So they had to create a banking type system using what was available. And what was available back then is the same thing as today. It was a whole life insurance policy. So but that I've heard, is the machine. I, I've heard whole life insurance policies are like the worst policies to have. What, 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 what makes this whole, like I just open up a whole life insurance policy and I'm now a bank? That'd be a big mistake if you did that. Because I'll yeah. agree, like just like Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, they always say, oh, whole life is the worst place to put your money. Right, you are, Dave Ramsey. We're not talking about a regular whole life. So we had to, to figure this out. We had to figure out how do the banks do this? Because the number one purchaser of whole life in the world are traditional banks. Last time I checked, they had $97 billion in whole life, but they don't call it whole life. They call it bully. Any one of you can look that up. It's B-O-L-I, Google it, and hundreds of pages come up. 
So banks put their money in whole life, but do you think the bank is buying the same whole life as you and I would get walking into the insurance store? Yeah, probably Absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. So we had to find out what do the banks do to, to put money into these? And they, they flip them upside down and design them differently. So when we're talking about a whole life, we're talking about a completely different design of the contract. We actually take the contract of a regular whole life from a specific insurance company and we build it backwards. Most life insurance or whole life specifically is for death benefit. You buy it, you pay a premium, and when you die, somebody gets money. Yep. Have you ever met anyone in your life that cares more about the money someone gets the day they die than they do about the money in their bank today? Really? I Because I haven't either. No. Everybody's like, hey, I, I'd rather the money in my bank than you know somebody yep. getting paid the day I die. So we had to re, they had to reverse engineer. So when we build it, we put the lowest death benefit, the highest cash value, and we do it through special riders in the way that the plans are designed. But a unique thing happens because a lot of people say, well, great, if, if that's such a great vehicle to put your money, then how come my advisor never told me to do this? Because the advisor would have to take a 60 to 90% pay cut in order to do this. I was a financial advisor 16 years. Never once in 16 years was I taught about this. And so this just note number one, super specialized whole life policies, not a normal whole life policy. Now, can you roll into any financial advisor that is your homie and say, I would like a super specialized whole life policy, please. You can try. Are they educated like that? Or is this like, we got to go to a certain place typically to get to get this. I don't know if it's a certain place. You got to find somebody that specializes in this. For example, if you had a problem with your heart, would you go to your physician, your general physician and say, doc, I need you to operate on my heart. I think it, it needs to have operation. No, of you'd find not. the best heart surgeon. So what the companies are and the people like me that do this, we are heart surgeons. We're not generalists. I do nothing else besides this. So we don't sell term insurance. We don't sell IULs. We don't sell regular whole life. We only do banking and we only design these one different way. And that's the difference. So your advisor might know about it. Try them out. See if they can do it. And then, you know, have us compare it with what an, an actual design looks like. And you'll find, no, they're totally So let's different. walk a person visualizing this. Because we ju- we just jumped right in. We really and did. We're, we're hitting you with some big terms and stuff. And it took me a while to like wrap my head around this. First thing I did is I went and looked up how many bank banks are on their balance sheets have these whole life policies. And me and Kent Clothier, he, he actually walked me through and showed me. And I went, oh my God, they're buying whole life policies for their people. They're high up people. And and they're almost like betting on their making money off of their people or something like that. So, like it's it, it's pretty wild what how much money they're pouring into these. Um, so walk the normal person that's never heard of this before through the whole cycle, right? Because the ultimate, <coughs> excuse me, purpose of all this, if I have my own bank and I'm putting my own money in this whole life specialized whole life policy, I'm then able to borrow against it. Yep. So it comes back to me and then I can use that in my business to go do, buy real estate, do flips, do whatever I want, right? And what are the benefits? Walk through the whole cycle so I can get to the benefit moment where everybody goes, oh, oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. I gotta we're have We're getting the good stuff now. Because yeah. everybody right now is like, well, why would I even do that? Like, what's yeah. the advantage? Well, the advantage is there's not one other place that you can ever put your money, that you can put your money there earn a guaranteed interest rate and dividends. And then, so I'll just give you an example. Like I'm using, everybody, I got a $100 bill. So if this was the $100 that I just spent an hour working for, this money's got to go somewhere. Most people would put this in a traditional bank and the bank might pay you 1%. Let's just pretend it's 1%. If it was one, I, just, I, I know, I to, I I'm being nice. There's, yeah. Did any of you have a bank paying you 1%? Probably not. But yeah. anyway, I'm being nice. So you put your money there. But then if I take this $100 back out to give to Cody to go buy real estate, does the bank still pay me 1% on that money? Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. This stops yeah. the compounding effect. If I change one thing and I take this $100, instead of putting it in a bank, I set up one of these banking systems and I put this $100 in. And then all of a sudden, 30 days later, you call me up and say, Chris, I got this great deal. You got to get in on this. I'll pay you 12% if you can lend me 100 bucks. And folks, the numbers are just numbers. Yeah. And then I say, okay, no problem. I then go to my bank, which is a specially designed whole life. And I take this $100 and I give it to you. How much money is still left in my account earning interest and dividends? I guess $100. You're, you're right. But most people would say, well, it's the same as a bank. Nothing. Because I just took the money out. Yeah. But you see, that 100 I just took wasn't even my money. You see, my money is still in my account. Yeah. Earning a guaranteed interest rate plus dividends, which by today's standards is about 6%. Okay. So my money's making 6%, but I just took that money out. Whose money do I have? The insurance companies. 
The insurance company has all the cash sitting in surplus assets and they need to move that money the same way you and I need to move it. So the insurance company lends me money from their account and collateralizes it with mine. But when they do that, that loan they gave me, a lot of people are like, oh, this is, that's bad. I don't want another loan. I don't want to pay it back. Great. You don't have to pay it back because what the insurance company gave you was your death benefit early. So while you're living, they leveraged your death benefit and said, hey, we're going to give you $100, but your money stays in here earning uninterrupted compound interest. Well, now I have $100 I can give to you. I can give to any one of the people on this and they can all go out there and they can use that $100 and then you pay me interest. Here's the difference. A lot of people are like, well, that's cool. I get to earn interest on money that like I'm using. You're paying yourself interest. Yep. That's or, the, I'm getting I'm getting that. So now I want everybody to visualize. First thing I did is I changed where the money went first. I put it into this specially designed whole life. We're going to call that your private bank. And then I took the money out because the insurance company allowed me to take a loan against my death benefit. Now they charged me interest on that loan. So by today, let's call it 4.25%. I'm making six. They charged me 425. So I'm making a spread. Everybody right. in real estate understands spreads. So I'm making a spread. I give that money to you you pay me interest for that loan. And I don't care if it's giving it to you. I don't care if it's uh, paying off a credit card or buying a car, whatever you use your money for, it's the same thing. But I'm going to go one step further because I'm going to treat my money the same way I would treat the bank's money. Now what I got to do is I got to take that money you just gave me and I got to determine where is that interest you're paying me going to go? Most people would just put it right back in the traditional bank. We got to stop giving up control of our money. I'm going to take that interest and I'm going to put that interest back in my bank. So now what I just did is I made money twice instead of once for doing nothing different than changing where my money went. I made the spread, okay, from the money that, that I'm making from what I'm making and what I'm paying. Then you paid me interest and I just put that interest back into my bank because I don't want to give them money anymore. The best part is, is this is where people lose this a little because it's not complicated, but they don't understand compound interest. Everybody's heard the story of if I, you know, you want a million dollars or do you want a penny doubled every day for 30 days? You've heard that, right? Sure. The penny doubled every day goes to $5.3 million. But it doesn't get there until like the 27th or 28th day. Sure. It's compounding. My money, that $100 and any dollars that I put in there never stops earning interest. So next year, if my spread was the difference between six and 4.2, next year it's more. The year after it's more. The year after it's more. Because it's always compounding and I don't have to work any harder. You, you said it so fast earlier and I, I think this is the the phrase that everybody needs to get excited over. It's uninterrupted. Bingo compound interest. And now this is why the banks get super uber wealthy. This is how, this is what you were saying. Like all the wealthiest people, they game of, they created this gamification of this system that it's always earning them significant amounts of uninterrupted compound interest. Because think about a regular bank. I mean, a bank does this every day. The bank takes money, puts it in the whole life. Then they take that money back out and they pay benefits with it. They pay deferred compensation plans. They, they invest it, whatever they do with it. But they're always earning interest on that money. But then the one cool thing that happens for the bank, and, and this is why banks have so many vice presidents. You ever walk into a bank and not see a little tag yeah, that says- everybody's a vice yeah, president. Vice president of coffee making, vice president <laughs> of janitorial. Everybody's a vice president. And nobody ever asks why. Well, it's because in order for an entity- a bank to buy a specially designed whole life or a bully policy, they have to have an insurable body. Well, the bank being an entity can't just insure anybody. They have to be able to justify that they have an equitable interest in that person. An executive VP is an insurable interest. So now the bank has a mechanism to buy tons of policies on all their vice presidents. And all they have to give the vice president is a fully paid up life insurance plan. But you think they're giving them the full death benefit? No, Mr. Vice President, here's a $100,000 fully paid up plan. And this is good. As long as you live, we'll pay your spouse or whoever you have as a beneficiary. But when you die, this policy is worth $3 million. So we give 100 to your spouse. We keep the rest. Thanks for playing. It's so brilliant. Yeah, it is. It's, it's so fascinating. Brilliant. Like when you start to think about the financial engineering going on, you're just like, oh my God, no wonder there's a huge wealth gap in the world today. And it's getting bigger, unfortunately. It, 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 this type of knowledge is not taught to anybody. This should be like ninth grade. You should do your financial literacy ninth grade class where they teach you about infinite banking. Well, I think they should teach you about banking first and teach you the problems with the current banking system and then teach you how to take back control. They never will though, because you'd crash the banking system. Imagine if everybody knew about this and it, it will never happen. Like sometimes I feel like a lone wolf out there because there's so few people that are doing what I do as a sole practice because they, there's just no money in it. All right. So how many of these, it, for, for, 
first off, I set up one. How much money do I got to put in to get to really get things going? Great question. So yeah. the minimum to do it, because there is a minimum, would be how old are you? 40, 43, about to be 44. So I'm, perfect. I'm 44. So if we take you, 43, multiply that times 10, that's $430. Monthly, that would be your minimum. So your age times 10 is your minimum monthly. And then just multiply times 12. So I just want to make sure I understand. Every month, 430 bucks goes into this specialized whole life policy. How long do I got to do that for before I actually can buy a car, with, borrow oh, against okay. it and buy a car, borrow against it and put it as a, buy a piece of real estate or whatever I want to do with it. Like, is it put it in one month and I'm ready to borrow? Or so, like, how long do I got to let it ride? Let's just, let's just use that 430 bucks. Cause that would be your minimum. If you went and put 430 bucks in your traditional bank, when can you take that 430 back out? Whenever. When your check clears, right? Yeah. This is the same. So when you put the money in, your money is available immediately. We always say immediately in the first 30 days because I don't know when your check's going to clear. The downside to this, because there are some negatives. The downside is when you put this money, if I put 100 in this account, I can't take 100 out. I can take anywhere between 60 and 92% of that out, depending on how we design it. And then I can use that. But the second and the third year and the fourth year, it's more. So now imagine you give up a little bit in the beginning. You put 100 in, you only got to take 90 out. That sucks, right? You, you lost 10 bucks. You didn't lose it. You just didn't have access to it. But the next year, you put another 100 bucks in. But now you can take 101 out. And the year after, you put 100 in. And now you can take 103. And imagine every single year for the rest of your life, every time you made a deposit, more money was able to be taken out than what you put in. There is nothing complicated about this. That is mathematics. Albert Einstein called compound interest the eighth wonder of the world, the most powerful thing in the financial universe. He said, those that understand it, earn it. Those that don't pay it. What I just explained is exactly that. You're just tapping into that. All right. I want to buy, I want to buy a car. Perfect. Walk me through that. I want, I, instead of going down to the car lot and paying cash for a car, okay? Or maybe even going to get a loan and sure. get a car. Show me how I get a car for this. I don't know. It would be, I don't know if it'd be free, but it'd be. Well, you'd get, uh, yes, no matter what. Yeah. And I have a little booklet. We can give every one of you know, the people watching this for free. That shows you how to get all the money back for every single car you ever buy, drive, and own. I've had a lot of nice cars, but just I just had a G-Wagon. Get all the money back. It doesn't matter what you pay for the car. You're, you're financing the car yourself. So you're always going to get every penny back on the vehicle. And I've done this for numerous cars. So here's how it works. If you were going to pay cash for a car, you'd have to save that money, right? Yep. Same thing here. You'd have to capitalize your bank so you have enough money to buy the car. So what kind of car are we buying? Let's, let's keep it simple. Car. Yeah, let's keep it simple. Let's just go for, uh, I, I, uh, I mean, I drive a Tesla. I want to okay. buy a Tesla. They're 110,000, okay. whatever. So 110. So you would save 110, and, and most people would. They'd put 110 in a bank or somewhere else, and then they'd go and they'd pay cash for the car by writing a check. Once that money is paid for that car, that money's gone from your family forever, and now you have a car, Tesla's a good one to use because they don't depreciate much, but most cars depreciate. But if we just changed where that money was capitalized and we put it into this machine, now we take the loan out for 110, we give it to Tesla. You still have 110 earning interest. But instead of just paying cash for the car and being like, all right, done, let's pretend that you are the bank and you, let's treat your money the same as you treat the bank's money. So if you were to finance that car through Tesla, what do you think the payment would be? 1500 Yeah, 1500 1600 Yeah, 15, yeah. we'll do 1500 It's yeah. easy math. So if you would have given $1,500 a month to Tesla, if you leased or financed the car, and you just paid cash for the car by taking a loan from your bank, why not then pay your bank back $1,500 every month? Now, it doesn't make a difference. People are like, well, why would I ever you know, make payments on a car that I just saved up and paid cash for? Well, here's why. You keep all the $1,500. So all we do is we set up a bill pay for $1,500, the exact amount you would have gave away, and we put that back in your account. So now every month, 1500 is going back in. In the same duration, five years or whatever duration Tesla would have given you, at the end of the fifth year, all the money plus all the interest you would have given away to Tesla is in your account, plus all the uninterrupted compound interest you earned, which is significant. You would get every penny back for every car you ever buy, drive, and own. And you'd, and, make, you'd make money. Oh, you'd make a lot of money. Because of the yes. uninterrupted compound interest. That, that G-Wagon, I only kept it for about a year and a half because they're so high. I just sold it. Yeah. And I ended up pocketing with the interest and everything, almost $20,000 on a car that I drove for free because of this. 
I love this. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I'm gonna let you get right back to the episode, but I wanted to share with you something real quick that I think is gonna help your business in a major way. A few years ago, I started a real estate mastermind and we call ourselves the Avengers. It's an experiential mastermind. There's about 175 members. They're all super high level. They're all gaining skills and capabilities. Networking is off the charts. So if you're looking to get plugged into something that's gonna really lift your business up in a major way, check out joinavengersmastermind.com. Watch the video that's on there, read all the information and See if getting plugged into a mastermind would be right for you. That's joinavengersmastermind.com. People, people that are, are are catching on to what we're doing right here, this financial engineering, they're like, oh yeah, I want to set one of these up. All right. Now, next question. Do I want just one and put all my money into it? Or do I want multiple ones? Is there any benefit of having, is it just one? You set one up and you so run and gun it. I have nine. Okay. So <laughs> it's not because I want nine. I started this a long time ago. My first policy was taken out in 2003. And when I did that, I, I, in 2003, I didn't have the money I do today. So I started with $230 a month and I did that. And then when I had more money than 230, I couldn't just put it in that same one. So here's the thing. So let's just use that $10,000 example. Okay, just simple math. You start a policy and you put $10,000 a year and or a thousand a month, whatever way you want to do it. That policy cannot ever take any more than $10,000. So you can't come in the next Got year because you, you sold the property and you're like, oh, I want to put 15000 in. No, 10 is your max because of IRS rules. You can go down, but you can never go up. So I can reduce the amount I'm putting in down to 4000 but I can't go higher than 10. So now all of a sudden, you have a good year the next year. And you're like, damn, this thing's so great. I want to put more than 10 in. You start your second banking policy. It's kind of think of them like a bank. Yeah. There's a bank on every single branch of every city in every single state in this country you're never going to just have one of these. Not because you want more, but because you're going to want to put more and more of your capital through this system. So got it. So if I want to step my game up, I got to start a whole new one. Now, about how much does it cost to set one of these up? Uh, so the annual fee for these policies is between $50 or $100 a year. That would be your policy service fee. We don't charge for setting them up. We're paid directly by the insurance company. Every $10,000 you put into the policy, I and my company would make about $437 in commission. That's it. Dude, this is what a win. Yeah. What and a win for you. But if it was a regular a whole life policy, you want to know how much money the person would make? Probably $5,500 to $9,000. Yeah. So that's why they're pitching whole life to you. Just get whole life. They don't even want to talk about this. IULs are even worse. They're the, they're the worst. What is it? IUL, indexed universal life. That every broker on the street what is that? sells. It's a, it's a new manufactured product uh, called an indexed universal life. They're, they're meant to basically be a permanent plan like a whole life, but they give you upside of the market. So you can put money in it. The insurance company lets you participate in the gains in the indexing, uh, the index fund that they do. So those products will pay every 10 grand you put in between $9,000 and $12,000 in commission. So that's so why you're saying those are horrible. Well, think about it. From if a, the advisor makes 12000 and you just put 10 in, who loses? I mean, come on. It's just, there's, yeah. it's, money can't just be created. So if they're making a big commission, you have less money. The plan I said, if you put 10 in and I get paid 437, the reason you have immediate access to your money is because I gave up my commission. Somebody has to give for somebody else to get. It's get it. the universal law. All right, what's the big downside? How, how do I fuck this up? Like, how do I literally like, is it choosing the wrong setup? Is it, I have a hard couple months and I just stop putting money into it and there's a penalty? Like, what, what, what's the pain? So the pain would be this. First pain we already talked about. You put 10 grand in, you only have nine you can use. Okay, so that's the first year. First year is the worst year. You know, you're gonna be at a loss the first year, sometimes even the second year. But after that, it's gravy train. So that's a downside. Second downside is if you're not healthy, you're not gonna get issued this. Okay, because you have to go through a medical underwriting. So you could get denied and then you got to borrow a life like a, a brother, a spouse, a child, whatever. But <laughs> third party, third party whole life, specialized whole life policy. Think about a bank, right? Bank yeah. is not, banks buy, you know, buying policies on, Executives. You just so, go to your brother and you pin him with the VP of, dude, of Coach I, Berber Company. Yeah. Hey, you're in. That's it. Just I'll get buy a, a new VP policy. and buy a policy on them because you can own it and they're just insured and you control yeah. it with ownership. So those are some bad sides. Another downside would be is you start a plan for 10 grand. The second year, you decide you're not going to put any money in. The plan would never make it. You, but remember, you have the ability to fluctuate. So if you started at 10, next year you have a bad year, you can reduce it down to four, no problem. You can actually probably go to three. So we build about 65% into the plan so that you can fluctuate down. Okay, now you said you can go down, but you can't go up, but I can go back up to the 10. Absolutely, I just and can't you ever... could make up what got you it. didn't put in. Okay, right? got it. Yeah. So it's just, that's the cap. But even if you did fluctuate. that, like, you know, that's not such a bad thing because if you put 10 in and you next year didn't want to, I mean, you pretty much would have gotten all your money back. 
I mean, there'd be very little that you would leave on the table for doing that, but that's still a downside. I'm trying to think of how else you could- Is there any limitations on what I can use this money for? No, none. It's my money. Yep. And all that internal compounding is all internally tax-free. Okay. So what if I borrow against it? I buy the Tesla. I'm making my $1,500 a month payments. Then I have a hard time. And I'm like, eh, it's my own car. It's my own payments to myself. I just can skip a few. So here's what happened. Let's say you set up that arrangement, 1500 And you're yeah. being really good about it. And then, I don't know, something happens. and Your mind goes back to the old way of thinking. Like, why am I doing this? And then you just, basically, here's how you got to look at it. It's your bank. You're now stealing from your bank. How long are you going to steal from your bank before your bank no longer is a Sullivan bank? So if you, did, if you hit hard times, this happens all the time, just so you know. When I was doing this a long time ago with a flip, I got into one flip and I lent the money from my policy. It was a nightmare. Everything bad happened. Asbestos remediation, you've had them, right? Where yep. you think it's an easy one. Then all of a sudden, two years later, you're like, when is this thing going to be done? It was the worst flip I've ever done. My money was from my policy. For almost two years, I couldn't pay my policy back anything. Just couldn't, didn't have the cash flow. So what I did is I had to go to the mirror. So every one of the, you know, everyone watching has a mirror. Go to the mirror and look in the mirror, sad, and just say, listen, fell in some hard times. I need to skip a couple payments. Can I skip a few payments? And in the reflection is you looking back saying, yeah, no problem. It's your bank. It's your rules. It's your terms. But, you know, again, just always remember, if you owned a grocery store, you wouldn't steal the peas out the back door every day. Your grocery store would go out of business. There's not a business in the world that if you steal from it, it will still remain in business. Oh, I love I love this concept. When, when you first modeled this out at our, our mastermind, I mean, this is million dollars worth of game right here. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is, and it's a little high level and I know it's, it's, it's a lot to take in. I want everybody listening to this to digest what you're saying, what, what, what you're hearing and try to make a decision. Like, am I ready to start my first one? It doesn't have to be super big, right? Like you said, you can put in your age times 10 per month, right? And so if you can visualize yourself being able to do that, you should probably do this. And um, uh, are you, here's the most important thing. So too many people, they understand whole life and like, okay, that sounds cool. But remember, that's not where we're going to make our money. We're going to make our money by putting the money here and then making our money go out and work for us. So your money working for you is where you're going to become wealthy. It's not putting your money in a stupid whole life like what I'm talking about. That's, that's just the machine. And if you just use just the machine to hold money and you never do anything with it, well, you're making 6%. Whip the freaking do. The money's yeah. made because I can put it in, take it out and go invest it or go do all the things I do that I usually would borrow money from the bank and do that. For example, a lot of people have credit card debt. Imagine how much money you pay on a visa, right? 20, 29%. What if I put money into this account? I took the loan, I paid off visa and I took the exact amount I gave visa every month and then visa is gone. I just pay it back to my policy. That's the equivalent of making whatever return you were paying to visa, 20, 29%. That's where people start. Most people, when they start with us, They'll come to us for various reasons. Like, you know, people we know from the mastermind come to us for, they want to invest it. Yeah. They're like, well, I got all this money in the bank. Can I just dump this money into here? Sure. And then can I just take that money right back out? Sure. And can I just give it to Cody? Well, you should just give it to Cody is what I always tell him. I'm just kidding. But you can use this for anything. But if we're already leaking money, if your boat's already leaking, we have to start there. If you're giving money away to credit cards, if you're giving money away to loans, let's take that money back that you're giving away and then capture that. Then we'll redeploy that money out to make it work harder. That's what. That's yeah. where you make all your money is what the money does for you. Got it. So solve the 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 leaks yes. first, then start investing and stepping your game up. Maybe get a free car. You know, the next the car. Stop, stop the credit card payments, then get the free car, and then start investing. Um, what's the tax benefit of doing all? This? It's a loan, right? So you're not being. T- when when does you get hit with the taxes? Uh, so on the money. So if I lent you money, oh. that twelve percent you pay me, that's going to be taxed. But everything my policy makes for the rest of my life is all tax free, as long as I don't lapse the policy. If you lapse it, you're paying tax on all of it. Got it. Always remains tax free. Not only tax free, it's protected against judgments in in liens. So if you got sued, somebody slips and falls at your rental, they can't go after this money. Your kid's going to go to college and you want to fill out FAFSA forms so that they can get you know student or financial aid. Yeah. These assets, you could have $10 million in this and it cannot be counted. There's so many loopholes that they've written into the tax code. Because like I said, who's the one that created this? The wealthiest families. Yep. Who did the tax code? Well, the Fed was created at the same time as the tax code. So you can figure that out. 1913, the two were created. Well, those are the people using this. So they never will take these advantages away because this is where the wealthiest individuals keep their cash. I love it. And- um for, for this particular Clever Investor Show episode, we have our mentoring students listening in where they're being a fly on the wall, which I love to do it th- this way. This is kind of fun. 
Um, I'm looking at the comments, man. All of them are like, I want to do it. Take my money. Let's go. How do I start? So uh, just to get right to it, and then I want to talk about some some non-real estate stuff for a minute because um, I think you have a lot of experience and, and can probably drop some awesome wisdom on some people. I can try. Uh, where would they go to actually do this? So it's easy. So there is a toll to basically have a call with me and you have to watch a 90-minute video. And that goes back to when I learned about this. So what you do, you go to chrisnoggle.com, N-A-U-G-L-E, and then a pop-up will come up to watch a 90-minute video. After you watch that 90-minute video, book a call and I'll answer every question or my team will answer every question that you have. And if it's the right thing, we'll never, we don't ever have to sell this because if it works to solve your problems, then you can ask us to do business and then we'll help design it. Got it. So the 90 minute kind of, it's a filtering system to make sure people really understand Correct. what they're doing. So that way, when they get to you, it's go time. Cody, I can't fix broken mindsets, man. And I will not, I will not spend any time with people that have a broken mindset and can't just understand like what we're trying to do is change the way you think about money. Okay. So the video definitely walks you through the whole process and shows you how it works. All right. And is it, would there be any special Clever, and if I said, if I finally got to you and I said, hey man, I heard this on the Clever Investor Show. You're going to hook them up with some training. You're going to hook them up with some love. What if I did the, yeah, I got a ton of stuff I could do. I'm thinking of the coolest thing. So the first thing is if you- I'm trying to help you guys right now. I'm trying trying to to think of what I can give you. I got so much stuff I can give you for free. So how about this? I'll sweeten it up. So if you sign up and when you do it, when you get on the call, they have to book a call because this is the only way I'd know it. They tell the person they're talking to, whether it's me, Stephen, Gabby, Joseph, or whoever else, that they heard about this from from your show. And what I will do is I will make sure that they get all my books for free. I will give them, Sean is going to be pissed, but I'll give them (laughs) one year free to our, we got a a community called MSTV. It's two hours of group coaching every single month, plus tons of videos. And I'll give it to them for free. That's a huge value. So they got to get signed up and they got to let them know on the way in, hey, yeah, you gotta say. I heard, I heard, heard this on the clever, Cody, yeah, clever, clever investor show. Yeah, I love that. Thank you, dude. I like putting putting my guests. You did. On you this. noticed I, did. I had to sit back. Come on, like, man. Wow, what can I give do? it up? <laughs> I know you got some goods. <laughs> Lots. All right, so let's let, let's talk about just life in general. So, um, you married? Kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got my first daughter. So she's twenty months old. Little oh, wow. Vivi. Congrats. Yeah, I waited waited for a while. So I'm forty four and I have my first one. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Now is she a easy child? I think so. I and mean, she's super fun. Okay. 20 months old. I mean, yeah, yeah, she's crazy. I mean- My son wasn't easy. My what, daughter was- How do you was, define easy? Oh, he was a pain in the ass from the second he came out. Well, she's Just a pain in the lo- ass. Losing his shit. It, it, I knew instantly, mini me. And I was in for a ride. I can really- My daughter, totally different experience. Like she came out, it was like an angel. Like you felt it, the difference. It was like sunshine and fresh air. And I'm like, oh, this is what having a okay, kid's so all about. My son comes out and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so screwed. It's literally mini me. He like looked at me and he's like, I got you. I got your number. <laughs> I know. I'd say Vivi's right in the middle. Okay. So I wouldn't say she's easy and I wouldn't say she's hard. She's just a mini me, which means she is a daredevil. She's jumping off things. My wife yeah. is losing, she's losing her mind. That's good. If you were talking to her and now she's 21 years old, what advice would you give her? The first piece of advice I would give her is the one thing I would tell myself if I could take a time machine back, I would say the most important thing you can do in life is give and solve other people's problems. Before you think about you, before you think about what you can have, how much you need for it, solve other people's problems. And you will be so freaking wealthy if you just follow that one law that no money will ever be able to. First time I ever heard that was like, I believe it was Zig Ziglar. Yeah, help enough people get what they want and you get what you want. God, he was so good. He was, he was he was good because he was a great storyteller. I like listening to, to educators that can tell a good story. It's funny you should mention that. I'm writing on Brent, my fourth book right now, and it's it's working title is The Laws of Wealth. And what it is, it's a story of the six laws of wealth that I've come up with in the 10 rules of prosperity. The book is told in a third person where it's about a father telling stories every night to his daughter. And every night he tells a new story of this example of this person, this fictitious character. By the sixth story, the daughter starts to say, dad, these stories sound a lot like the things I've heard about your life. And at the sixth story, she finds out that every one of these fictitious stories was a story about her dad's life, which is a story about my life and how I violated all six of these laws of wealth. And then now how I've applied them and how they've changed my life. So then the, the catch is, is at the end, when she realizes this, he hands her a piece of paper that has a very beautiful picture of a key. Now she's seen that key on his keychain. I have this key. And that key is a key to the inheritance. And at that point, wow. she then will have the access to the inheritance because she has earned the right by learning the six laws of wealth. I love that. 
Dude, you really thought that through. Too long, man. It's my greatest gift to my daughter. All right. So I love that. So putting you on the spot, can you rattle off some of the laws of wealth for yeah. us? Because yeah, I, I, I want the pre I want the pre launch of the book. Obviously, I know you're going to send me a signed copy. I'm going to send when you it gets boxes going. of them so that everybody can have them. Yeah, I love it. Um, all right. So what are the, you said the laws of wealth and then you said something else and you said- 10 rules of prosperity, but the 10 rules just play into like application of the six laws. So let's just hit the six laws. Law number one is simple. To actually build wealth, you first have to keep one-tenth of your income. In other words, whatever your income is gross, you have to be saving, I call it keeping one-tenth because if you're giving too much of it away, you can't ever get off the ground. So law number one, keep one-tenth of your money that you make. Okay. Law number two, your money must always work for you. We've been taught our whole lives to work for money. Trade hours for dollars, hours for dollars. The wealthy don't do that. Their money is working for them. You know, we talk about this in the mastermind. So law number two is simple. Your money must always be working for you. And when your money works for you, it creates offspring in the form of interest, dividends, or gains. When they produce those offsprings, those offsprings have to go out to work for you as well. And it's a perpetual thing. So that's law number two. Law number three, I think, is the most important one because it's the most violated one today. Protect your wealth. And I like always referring back to Ricky Bobby and Talladega Nights. Son, if you're not first, you're last. Always protect your wealth. Invest in things that you know, like, and understand. Invest with people that have knowledge through time and wisdom. And I always like to add failure because if you're finding people that are giving you advice on what to invest in, like too many people today where they're their Uber driver says, oh my God, you got to check out this, this crypto coin and you know it's going to go to the moon. That person doesn't have the knowledge and you are making a massive mistake. So your money will flee you if you don't. So protect your wealth is law number three. Law number four, another highly violated one. Do not seek unrealistic returns. If you're out there seeking the big, big, big returns and that's all you're ever chasing, your money will flee you. And I can promise you, I'm a avid studier of economics and history and cycles to, to the point where I should have like nerd glasses on. Something's coming. A big storm is coming. I don't know if it's end of this year or next year. If you are seeking unrealistic returns, you will, you will go from rich to broke very quick. Remember I said the difference between rich and wealthy? It's one thing. The wealthy know how to keep the money they make. The rich make it, have it, feel rich, and then lose it all. I was that person. Fifth law of wealth is what we already talked about. Give. Give unconditionally without any expectation of return. And the sixth law of wealth is leave this world with a legacy. Create something that's bigger than you, something that will outlive you, something that will help other people solve their problems when you're gone and in a better place. Dude, I love that. That was amazing. Thanks, man. And then there's 10 principles that help you actually pull that off. Those are longer, yeah, because they're they're just each one of the 10 principles falls into one of the laws and just how to apply it. What a great gift to your daughter. I can't yeah. wait, man. It's you know, I just, too I, much thought gone into this one. Yeah, that's, that's and you said you wrote four, this your fourth book? It's my fourth book. You actually sit down and write them all? Uh, two of them I did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wrote one full book. It was a lot of work. Took me a really long time. It was my Flip House's book. Um, uh, you can grab a copy at fliphousesbook.com if you're listening to this. Uh, now I'm, I'm, I, I was talking to Dean Graciosi. I said, how do you write all these bestsellers, all these books? And he goes, I, I, I'm an orator. I speak them into existence, so into a now. recorder. And then we tr- transcribe it and then we clean it up. And then I go back in and I fidget with it until I get it all exactly it. So is that, that's what you do? That's exactly how I'm doing it. Like yeah. this book, I could not physically write this book. I'm too emotional about it. It'd be hard for me to tell stories of stories that I, you know, I lived. Yeah. So I, I hired a ghostwriter to write this. And that's how I do it. I, I speak in the different stories. We transcribe it. She writes it. I have a manuscript. So Monday I'm actually meeting with uh, Sharon Lecter to yeah. present the manuscript to see if she uh, wants this to be the next rich dad, poor dad. I'm hoping so. Yeah, she's great. Um, I could also introduce you... Uh, uh, Mark Victor Hansen. Yes, 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 yes. Nailed it. Actually, right. I met him at one of Greg's events. Yeah, so he came up to me and we started talking. And I mean, freaking hilarious, hilarious gentleman. Uh, and he's like, do you know, I have the number one most sold book in human history next to the Bible. And I would have never thought Chicken Soup for the Soul sold that many yeah. copies. Um, but I could connect you with him. I know they oh, do a lot of great publishing uh, and have just a great team behind them. Please do. Yeah, I've been sitting on, I own the domain um, selfmademillionaire.com. And I've been waiting to write a book series, like a rich dad, poor dad, told in a third person about self becoming a self-made millionaire. 
right? And it's a whole series because I want I envision like self-made millionaire real estate, self-made millionaire and entrepreneur, self-made millionaire crypto, you know, or whatever it is, right? And we can create these series and it can be a little bit, it's not my, it's not my book, my story, but it's the lessons like what you did. Yeah, I love that. That's right. a heck of a domain. Yeah, I, I think I paid six or seven grand for it like years and years ago. I just been sitting on it. I just collect trademarks. I just keep doing trademarks for things and just kind of eventually find a place to use them. Really? That's like a whole game. It's a whole game and it can be a dirty, like nasty game when people don't want you to have the trademark. But I always say, well, why didn't you get it then? So literally, mention. is there like a, a shopping site you can go shop yeah. for trademarks? Yeah, you that just are- go in and you put it in and it'll tell you, is it is there an active trademark? Is there an expired one? Is it already used? And yeah. Oh, so it's like domaining. Like you're out hunting for the the coolest thing. Yeah. Coolest, you know, one. But the only hard thing is you can't just find any name like domaining. You don't have to have anything to back it up. Like when you get a trademark, you actually have to have stuff that you're using. Like, you know, Burr is is a name that I've trademarked. It's still pending. Uh, Burr, like the buy, renovate. Yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, like that wasn't taken. Refinance. That one one created some issues, but we won't go there. That's not taken. No. So if you own that trademark for Burr, I can't use it without you crawling up my ass. And no, but if it goes through, what I will do is I will call, you know, like, you know, big guys over Bear Pockets because that's, yeah, yeah I, I like those guys, but they don't like me right now because of that. And I would say, here, you guys can use this, anything you want. I'm not trying to make money on it. I just thought this should be controlled because yeah. there's a lot of people out there making money the wrong way on that name. Interesting. Yeah, that's smart. Uh, I'm going to have to get into some trademarking. I think that's a whole thing. That's yeah, a big thing. You do anything with uh, crypto? Yeah, I buy crypto, but I'm I'm very weird. I'm an ex-Wall Street guy, so I have very strict rules for investing. So like when crypto was going up, I wasn't in it. So I was playing the 40 and 50 mark. I would buy it at around 40 and sell it around 50, 52. Yep. I did that for a while because it traded that trend for a while. Then it dropped recently down to 28. I bought I bought deep. Okay, I went good. big into it. Yeah. yeah, And then I'll sell it off probably around 45, 50. I hacked into some old wallets from 2016. Finally got in. Took me weeks to find my keys and all that stuff because it was it was tough back then. Forever ago, and uh, had about about eighty grand in total nice. between all these wallet of coins I didn't even know I had. Yeah, it just was sitting there like random random stuff. I don't have any cool stories like that. Yeah, I'm, was, I'm a late adopter. I'm kind of like you know Warren Buffett doesn't buy because there's zero intrinsic value. It's all investor confidence, and I was like this violates all my rules. But would you what do you, what do you think of the metaverse? It's interesting. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I think the early adopters are making a killing. I just, I want to see how it's going to go after the big storm hits. I want to see what's going to happen when like, you know, people right now are just trying to put cash places because they're worried about inflation. They think inflation is going to strip all their money, but this isn't the only time inflation like this has happened. It happened from 1930 to 1936. So many times this exact same thing. And I think too many people, you know, go to risky assets because they think, oh, I got to pace inflation. I got to put my money in risky assets, stocks and all these things. And I, I think that's a big mistake right now. Huge mistake right now. I don't want to spend too I, much time on that, but I know way too much. That, that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, that's a, that's a inflation. Podcast. That's like a real, real, yeah. real podcast. Um, my, one of my smartest friends, his name's Walter O'Brien. He yeah, actually Walter. has the TV show, the scorpion, uh, made the smartest man in the world. If not the smartest man, you know, that's the claim fourth or third or fourth smartest by his IQ, IQ ever. Um, it, but I just love talking to him cause he's just so cool and smart and out there that you're like, Oh, I love, I love just having that, those like random conversations. And I asked him, I said, Hey, do you uh, invest in crypto? And he, he was basically like, look, if you're in and out really short right now, fine. Not a problem. That's what I do. Don't hold for any length of time. And I said, why is that? And he goes, what you don't know is there's billions of dollars worth of supercomputers trying to hack the blockchain right now. And as soon as it happens, everything's going to tank. And I was like, oh, I never really thought about the whole, you know, all of China trying to hack the blockchain, you know, just to like, you know, crash, crash Bitcoin. They so say they it's can, not possible, but I mean. No, they're, they're saying it's going to happen not? at the end. Of, he was saying if, it's not the end of this year. It's going to be here within the next year or two. That's how much money is being thrown behind it. And it's, it is crackable. Um, but he was saying, the good news is what's really coming next is the thing. The next version of blockchain. That's the actual thing. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I don't know enough about well, it. Well, Walter was- O'Brien, I met him in 14. Me and my wife were at an event. And he predicted, back then, you remember, Teslas were around, but they weren't self-driving. 
He predicted that Teslas would be self-driving. Eventually, they would take over and be like Ubers and Lyfts would all be self-driving. He predicted all this back in 14. And now you're, it's not there yet, but you're starting to see this happen where these self-driving cars technically don't need a human behind the wheel. They just got to get rid of some barriers. And I don't know. I mean, listen, you got to Cool take- guy. He's a cool guy. He, he, he's where we'll, we'll go out to a bar. And I, I said, are you going to have a drink? He goes, no, I can't be compromised. I said, you got some secret NSA NASA shit going down right now. I need to, I need to know what you're into. Well, didn't he crack or like hack into the military way back when he was a kid That's or something? What they or say. So they say, yeah, you, you got to be pretty bright if you're hacking oh, into yeah, NASA. Smart dude, just take over control of their computers. <laughs> All right, so look, um, do you have any fears? Uh, snakes. Hate those things, dude. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta. I you got I, a snake. I no, I don't oh, okay. do snakes. I don't want anything to do with snakes. Although I will tell you. Um, I met, you know, uh, on Instagram, J prehistoric pets. No, look him up. His at J prehistoric pets. He's kind of like, um, a Steve Irwin type character, all cool reptiles, cool stuff. So he came out to our Avengers mastermind. We brought him out with a bunch of his, his, his animals and reptiles and stuff. Uh, Oh, I have seen this guy. I've seen him on TikTok. Oh, no, no, no. No, he can keep it, man. If you're bringing that to a mastermind, I will not be 300 pounds. I mean, go look at, if you're, if you're watching this, um, either go look at Jay Prehistoric Pets or just go to my Instagram at Clever Investor and, and scroll down. You'll see me 300 pound boa constrictor. I tried to stand up. It was wrapped around my neck because he was like, just hold the whole snake. And I'm like, I'm not strong enough. 300 pounds. Now, I could probably, I could squat and get up with 300 pounds. But the thing is so strong, it started constricting and turning. And I, my whole body was just going. I couldn't stop it if I wanted to. I got done. I put the snake down. And I was like, I, one, I would never do that again because I was scared to death. And two, uh, my legs were shaking for about 10 minutes. It was so hard to stabilize. You know, you know if it wanted to wrap around, you're done. You're done. You're done. So yeah, I get, no, I, that, that's I, I get the snake fear. thing. I'll give you a pass on the snakes. We won't. Next time you come in, I'll just have a bunch of snakes everywhere. Cool. Well, I'll be out the door. <laughs> we'll get you through that fear. <laughs> All right. Look, man, thank you for coming and hanging with us. Uh, if you're listening to this, how can they find you? How can they hang with you? What are you on social? Everywhere. So TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, lots of stuff on YouTube. I give all my best stuff away for free. Just anything. It's just the Chris Noggle on all social. I love that. If, if they're watching this as a live video, we'll go ahead and drop his link in the comment section down below, whether it's on YouTube or IG or wherever. So that way people could come hang out with you. And uh, look, I love these kind of conversations. Appreciate you. I want to get my specialized whole life policy up and going. And uh, we probably should do uh, something for our students, uh, like a real webinar or something like that. Because I think uh, I think every single person should set one of these up and become their own bank. Infinite banking is so cool. And you're definitely the man to go to to learn more about it. I'd be happy to help. All right, cool. All right, guys, that's all we have for you in this Clever Investor Show. If you, like, if you liked it, if you loved it, make sure you share this episode with other people. Smash the like button, do all the fun social stuff, and we will see you on the next episode. Until then, take care, comb your hair, we're out.